each and every one. For those that might be joining us online, we're glad to have you tune in to us as well. Uh, special welcome to those that are visiting. Really glad to have you with us today. Well, we're going to look at a very interesting passage today, one of my favorites. Uh, one that I think helps us to see the life that is available to us in Christ. For those that come to Christ and through simple faith in Christ, there's this wonderful way of living that is not uh, dominated by fear, but has the Spirit of God to give us power and love and self-control, as Peter says, or Paul says. All right, most of us know what it is to experience fear uh, or timidity. Uh, we might fear certain responsibilities or certain social situations. Uh, we can fear conflict or rejection or what people might think of us. Or we can just fear life uh, and what might happen. We can fear financial loss or failure or health problems and on and on. Well, Paul wrote this to Timothy because he knew Timothy struggled somewhat with fear. And this is evident here in this passage as well, in other, as well as in other scriptures. And Paul exhorted him in another place to let no one look down on your youthfulness. In other words, Timothy, don't be intimidated by those who think you're too young to be doing what you're doing. And he wrote to the Corinthians, when Timothy comes, see that he has no reason to be afraid while he is among you. And in our passage this morning, Paul apparently felt that Timothy might let fear hold him back from fully using the gifts God had given him. And that happens a lot. Uh, unless we deal with our fears, they will control us and hinder us from doing things, going places, uh, being involved with people, doing things that God has called us to do and wants us to do. Fear can even dominate our personalities and our entire approach to life. But God has something far better for us than fear. Uh, the spirit that he has given us replaces our very natural human fears with a spirit of power and of love and self-control. But before we get into this uh, more deeply... There are some things at the beginning of this letter that I don't want us to miss. First, uh, Paul identifies himself right off as an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. So Paul wrote the New Testament letters with an authority that came directly from God. And so it is spiritually dangerous to disregard what Paul wrote. And let's take just this passage, for example. Paul's first admonishment is to stir up our spiritual gifts, to fan into flame the gift of God, and to not let those gifts be hindered by fear. So if we just blow that off and excuse our fears and timidity as something we can't or won't overcome, then we are actually dismissing Paul's authority as a messenger of Jesus Christ. And that same thing applies with all the other things that Paul wrote to us. 
The other obvious thing that we see here at the beginning of this letter is the great affection that Paul had for Timothy. Paul begins this letter to Timothy, my beloved child. That's something you say to somebody you deeply care about who's very dear to you. Paul goes on to exhort Timothy to stir up his gift and to admonish him about his fears, but he does so with the affection of a father for his child. And Paul expresses this affection for Timothy in several ways here at the beginning of this letter. He told Timothy, I thank God for you as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Again, that's something you say to someone that you deeply love. It's something you do for someone that you deeply love. You, you remember them day and night and you pray for them. Paul and Timothy's love for one another was so strong that when they last saw each other, they parted with tears. Paul told Timothy he remembered his tears and that he longed to see him again and said that seeing him would fill him with joy. Paul also said, I remember your sincere faith, Timothy, which was first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm sure that it dwells in you as well. These were all said as an encouragement to Timothy to express how dear Timothy was to him and to prepare him for the other things that Paul had to say to him in this letter. Here in, at the beginning of 1 Timothy and in most all of the New Testament letters, Paul shows over and over and over again how our relationships with one another in the church are to be filled with affection and love and encouragement. And it's in that atmosphere of affection, love, and encouragement that teaching and admonishment and instruction take place. Truth without love just does not work. Correction without affection is not God's way. And this is, this is true in the church, it's, it's true in our homes, it's true in all of our relationships. We, we see it over and over again, the, the affection and the love that Paul demonstrated for uh, those that he wrote to, in this case, of course, Timothy. Well, after these expressions of love and tenderness, Paul gives his first challenge to Timothy in verse 6. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So for what reason does Paul say this to Timothy? Because he loves Timothy and because he ha Timothy has a genuine or sincere faith and he knows that Timothy has gifts from God to be put to use in serving others. I'm glad those aren't my notes. <laughs> Thank you, Alyssa. Timothy was gifted to teach and preach. Uh, he was gifted to act as a messenger of Paul to the churches. He was like an assistant apostle. 
And Paul did not want Timothy to be hindered from using the gift God had given him due to fear. So he said, fan into flame the gift God has given you. For God did not give us a spirit of fear. Paul was essentially saying to Timothy, stir up the fire, not your fears. Stir up the fire of God's spirit, God's work, God's gift within you. Don't stir up your fears because fear is not from God. So all believers have some gift, some what we call spiritual gifts or what the Bible calls spiritual gifts, which is a capacity or an ability from the Holy Spirit to do good to other people, to benefit others in the church family. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To use Paul's own words, these manifestations of the Spirit are like a fire within us, and we are to keep them burning. Spiritual gifts can, in a sense, go dormant. Spiritual gifts can die down like a fire that has gone out or has almost gone out. And in Timothy's case, apparently the cause for that was timidity. And some of the translations uh, say God has not given us a spirit of timidity. Most say God has not given us a spirit of fear, but either case you see the point. Fear is often the cause for spiritual inactivity, uh, loss of zeal or restraint in using our gifts. Fear quenches the fire of the Holy Spirit. So we may want to get rid of our fears for lots of reasons. I can think of a lot of reasons that I don't like to be afraid or want to be afraid. For example, fear just plain feels terrible. Uh, fear destroys our inner peace and joy. Uh, fear can even negatively impact our physical health. But most damaging of all, fear can keep us from doing God's will. Fear can keep us from doing God's work. Fear can keep us from doing what God has called us to do and even equipped us to do. In, in church, in our homes, in our work, in all of life, fear can handicap us and keep us from living, from coming at life with the kind of attitude and approach that God wants us to. Through fear, we can withdraw from others. We can withdraw from loving others. Uh, we can withdraw from using our spiritual gifts to benefit others. Uh, fear of people, fear of being rejected can hinder us from being engaged in the body of Christ, in the family of God, in the church family, and it can keep us from being instruments of God's spirit. Uh, David Guzik, one of my favorite commentators, said this, and I think this is so good. Paul wrote this to Timothy because boldness matters. Without boldness, we can't fulfill God's purpose for our lives. God's purpose for us is far more than making money, being entertained, and being comfortable. It is for each of us to use the gift, the gifts he gives to touch his people and help a needy world. Fear 
keeps us from touching people who need a touch. And fear keeps us from helping people who need help. So the message for us in verse 6, the message for Timothy, the message for us as well, is to stir up the gifts that God has given us and put them to use. Our spiritual gifts, our spiritual abilities do not simply work on autopilot. We are told to earnestly desire spiritual gifts and then we are admonished throughout Scripture to apply diligence in using them. The Apostle Peter said, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, each of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve one another, 1 Peter 4.10. Uh, Paul said, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then lead diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. That's Romans 12, 6 through 8. So let me encourage us this morning to fan into flame whatever gifts God has put within us. Whether that gift might seem very ordinary or maybe even very supernatural, don't settle for dying embers, so to speak. Don't settle for a flame that is going out. That's, that's not okay. That's not good. And remember, we are fanning into flame God's gift. We're fanning into flame something that God has put within us. The Christian life is a supernatural life. We're not talking just on a human um, naturalistic level here. We're talking about something that God himself has actually put inside us by his spirit and we are fanning into flame that gift of God. Not, we're not merely hyping ourselves up. We are fanning into flame the work of God's spirit within us and the power and the love that come from him. Paul then reminded Timothy his gift came through the laying on of my hands. That may sound kind of strange to uh, some here perhaps. Uh, back in 1 Timothy 4, 14, Paul said, do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by the prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. So Paul, along with this group of elders, uh, leaders, pastors, shepherds from, from one of the churches or maybe from, from a group of churches, they were human instruments by which Timothy received a gift of God. There's this experience where this Paul and, and these other elders were praying for Timothy. They laid hands on him and he received a gift from God during that time and apparently was confirmed by someone who spoke a word of prophecy and just said, Timothy, God has given you such and such a gift. Obviously, uh, at least from what we know, Timothy was gifted to preach and to teach and perhaps other things as well. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 
And, and, and again, I think this communicates how uh, just the supernatural nature of the life that we've been called to. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 11, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit works all these things. Well, what is all these things? Well, he's talking about these spiritual abilities. The Holy Spirit works all these things, distributing them to each one individually just as he wills. So ultimately, the Holy Spirit chooses gifts for each person. But the Spirit uses people. Uh, Gifts from God sometimes come to us through prayer and perhaps having other people pray for us or even the laying on of hands. That is biblical. We should not neglect having other people pray for us to help us discern what our gifts are or to even receive a gift in order that we might be better used to Uh, build up the family of God. And we should not despise um, a prophetic message about a spiritual gift for us. Of course, people are human and can make mistakes, and the Holy Spirit, as I said, is ultimately sovereign over the gifts and abilities that we are given. But God does work through people to facilitate His work in us and often to help us identify uh, the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit wants to put in, has put in us or wants to put in us. So, well, why does Paul mention this past experience uh, when Timothy received his gift through prayer, laying on of hands, and the word of prophecy? I think it's clear that he brings it up in order to encourage him, uh, to remind him that he did have a gift from God. Sometimes we need encouragement that God has worked in us and that God has given us something to do. Sometimes we we can just become uh, so that we don't see what it is that God put in us to do. Other people maybe can see it, but we can't see it. And sometimes we just need that encouragement to say, hey, it's clear to me that God has put in you this and God has equipped you to serve other people in this way. Early on in my life, uh, shortly after I was out of college, and actually had started being involved in uh, church ministry, but I was still facing some uncertainty of what God had for me to, to do, or at least clear, really clearly understanding what it was that, how God specifically wanted to use my life. And a person came up to me after church one Sunday morning and just looked me right in the eyes and they said three words, able to teach. And so sometimes when I have doubted that gift, I remember the encouragement of those three words. And I, honestly, I, I took those as a prophetic message. I took that as a message from the Holy Spirit for me and, and found, found great encouragement and stimulation to use my gift and put put it into practice. So if you recognize a gift in someone, share that with them. It can deeply encourage them. And that encouragement may even help them fan into flame that gift that God has given them and to put it to use. 
It may help them overcome their fears or their hesitancy that was keeping them from being fully used by God as they could be or should be. Now, verse 7 directs us away from fear, not only because fear quenches or restrains our service to God in, in the church and in the world, but for one other really important reason. It directs us away from fear because fear is not from God. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. That is a wonderful promise. And you can hide that promise in your heart and it will change your life. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is probably the most handicapping emotion we experience. But when fear strikes our heart, we can know for certain that fear did not come from God. And knowing that fear is not from God empowers us or emboldens us to resist fear as an enemy rather than to live with it as a friend. And if we are God's children, we do not want things that are not from God. If fear is not from God because we know God and love God and want to please God, we don't want things that are not from God. We don't fear, want fear because it is not from God. So that settles our uh, mentality toward fear. We, we stand against it. We, we oppose it. And perhaps our greatest mistake in dealing with fear is simply to accept it, to receive it, to justify it or to excuse it without thinking, hey, wait a minute, this is not from God. We should never accept fear and fearful living as God's plan for us. We should not identify ourselves by fear or timidity. We should not identify our personality as being fearful or timid. Of course, we all feel fear at times. The Apostle Paul felt fear, and he admitted that. Timothy apparently struggled with fear. I at times feel fearful. You at times feel fear, fearful. And we feel that as a part of our human weakness. But the Christian life is not defined by our feelings. And fear, those feelings of fear that strike us, that is not the end of the story. Fear is something that we press through. It's something that we move through. It's something that we overcome. We turn from fear to faith and trust in God. One of my favorite psalms is simply, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. And I sought the Lord. And he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Fear is something that we turn from to something else, to the better things that God has for us by his spirit. Verse 7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. 
I side with uh, those commentators who think Paul is referring here to the Holy Spirit. It is, it is not just that God has given us uh, an inner attitude of power and love. He has given us his spirit and the Holy Spirit is the spirit of power and love and of self-control. And I think it is very helpful to consider these contrasts or this very bold contrast that Paul makes here to Timothy. He's saying that uh, the spirit is like this, not like this. The Christian life is not this. The Christian life is this. Instead of fear, God has given us a spirit of power. That's the first thing that Paul says. Instead of fear, God's not given us fear, but he has given us power. Uh, the Holy Spirit does not make us timid or fearful. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us power and strength and courage to face life and to carry out our responsibilities. And so when we, have fe- when we experience feelings of fear, we must realize that there is something else in us Besides fear, there is power and love and self-control and we turn to that and we stir that up and we live in that instead of fear. The prophet Micah said, but as for me, I am filled with power and with the spirit of the Lord and with justice and courage to make known to Jacob his rebellion and to Israel his sin. To me, that's the Old Testament version of 2 Timothy 1.7. Of course, at times we feel shy or timid or afraid. The problem comes when we kind of view that as the end of the story, that that's just the way it is, or that's just the way I am. We have those feelings, but we are not to stay stuck in that feeling. We are to, we're not to say, that's who I am. Begin to say with Micah, but as for me, I am filled with power and with the Spirit of the Lord and with justice and courage. I uh, memorized that verse many, many years ago, and that thought has often come to my mind in in some very uh, fearful situations just to remember that I think actually the New American Standard says but on the other hand I am filled with power and with the spirit of the Lord with justice and with courage secondly instead of fear God has given us a spirit of love Not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love. God's spirit does not handicap us us with fear. He moves us to action by love. Um, The love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, and we are compelled to love people and to serve and bless people because we have the spirit of love not the spirit of fear. Instead of fear, third, instead of fear, God has given us 
a spirit of self-discipline. The King James Version says, God has given us a sound mind. Uh, This word that's translated self-discipline or a sound mind is used only once in the New Testament. And uh, several commentators have have noted how difficult it is to translate it into a single word that communicates the whole idea of it. But it means, it means prudence or almost a combination of a sound mind with sound living. It's prudence or sound thinking that results in godly behavior. One commentator said the word means control of oneself in the face of panic. The Holy Spirit gives us that ability to to keep our composure, to keep our head when there's panic and fear and dangerous things or threatening things all around us. A person living in fear makes lots of poor decisions. Uh, Fear destroys self-control or self-discipline, but the Spirit helps us uh, maintain self-discipline in just in all the dramas and the uncertainties of life. You know, fear can so easily become our God. Fear can so easily become the one thing that we bow down to and dominates our life and really controls what we do and when we do it and where we go and who we're with. And It becomes our master. The things that we fear dominate us and do become our master. The Lord understands your fears and my fears, and he sympathizes with our weakness in this area. Okay, God God understands. When you feel afraid, God understands that, and there's, there's mercy and grace and sympathy. Christ, it says, is able to sympathize with our weaknesses, including the weakness of fear. But it would be a mistake to think that God gladly puts up with our fears or that God is satisfied that we are fearful. God is strongly opposed to you and I living in fear. He commands this all throughout the Bible. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. The Lord said, to uh, Joshua in Joshua 1.9 in one of my favorite verses about fear. The Lord said, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's the way we're to come at life. That's the way God wants us to come at life. So when we feel afraid, we must preach to ourselves that God is with us and that he has given us a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. And because we know that God is at work in us, because we know that his spirit is in us, then we are to fan into flame, not our fears, but we are to fan into flame the gifts of God within us and to carry on courageously and we are to serve the church the world 
and our families and just deal with life and everything that comes at us with the spirit of power and of love and of self-control with, with this kind of boldness and courage that God's spirit has put within us. All right, let's pray. Uh, let's stand with me for a moment and pray.